Before the goodness starts flowing, I want to welcome you to the STR Sisterhood, real life stories from real life women in the short-term rental industry. I'm your host, Stacey St. John, ex-corporate girl who discovered how to replace her six-figure salary through short-term rentals and who now has the pleasure of helping others do the same. On this show, we talk to real women in the short-term rental space about their journeys and how they've managed to turn their STR dreams into reality. If you're an ambitious woman who's looking to build a successful short-term rental business, you are in the right place, sister. Welcome to another episode of the STR Sisterhood. I'm your host, Stacey St. John, and what a great day it is today. I just want to thank you for allowing me to be part of your life and being in your earbuds or on your car stereo or wherever you're listening. Just thank you, thank you, thank you for allowing me to be with you today. Now, before we dive into this episode, I of course want to share a quote that resonated with me. And this quote says, I had to make my own living and my own opportunity, but I made it. Don't sit down and wait for opportunities to come. Get up and make them. And those amazing words come to us from Madam C.J. Walker, who is the first American woman to become a self-made millionaire. Isn't that cool? Love it. Now, I am here to tell you, friends, you are in for a treat with today's guest, Amanda Neely. We are talking it up about money, a favorite subject of every real estate investor, no doubt. But I also just want to say that this conversation is going to leave you feeling inspired and impressed by this amazing woman. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with Amanda. So today we are joined by Amanda Neely. And I know, Amanda, we are going to have a really fun conversation. But first, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a great day when I get to talk to Stacey St. John. (laughs) Well, if only my family said the same thing. No, I'm kidding. So Amanda, first... Let's just have you walk our listeners through a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I'm just your normal, everyday kind of gal. I'm nothing super special. I just happen to love money with, with like and talking about money and helping people put together strategies with their money, which not everyone does. And I find a lot of fulfillment in it. Part of how I think about it is there's a way that People are meant to make a difference in the world, and money is often one of the barriers to making that happen, and I don't want it to be. So if I can help them figure out that foundation of helping their money be solid, they can launch after those dreams. They can make that difference, and I get to be part of that. It's just one of the best jobs I can think of. That is so freaking cool. I love how you've described what you do. Instead of saying, I'm a certified financial planner, you're sharing from the start the fact that you get true enjoyment out of helping people kind of, you know, tear down the barriers around money. And we're going to talk through some of those things today, but I just love, love how you shared that. Thank you. How did you get started in this 
money space to begin with. Yeah. If you would have asked me even a decade ago, if that, and told me I would be a certified financial planner, I would have laughed at you like no way. But when I look back, there's little clues. Like when I was in middle school, my parents were fighting about money and I was like, no, this isn't happening. I don't want you guys fighting. My mom had gotten into some credit card debt. And so I sat my mom down at the kitchen table. We made a plan for how to get out of credit card debt. I didn't know it was supposed to be hard. I just didn't want them to fight anymore. And we just, we kept month after month, I'd sit there and help her pay her bills and see how much could we pay extra on the credit cards to get them down. So it's kind of, it was there. I just didn't know that was a job, like that you could do that as a career. And I went into entrepreneurship, started a business. And while I was in that business, I met a certified financial planner. His name's Mark. He totally transformed my story with money. The work that we did helped me get on much stronger financial footing and feel a lot more uh, safe and able to go after my dreams, like I was describing earlier. And so when I was selling that business, starting my family, I was like, what do I do now? Like, how do I, what's my next contribution? And I was thinking, well, I want to do what Mark did for me for other people. And so I took him on as my mentor and I've been doing this for five and a half years plus now. And I've really found like, this, this is it. I can uh, see myself doing this until like I get Alzheimer's or something and can't think anymore. <laughs> that is so cool. And so what was your business before you started your family? Yeah. My husband and I opened an independent coffee shop in downtown Chicago, about a mile from Soldier Field. Wow. And so when you decided to go on your journey to become a certified financial planner. I'm just curious, what was that process like? It kind of started with like a, why not try this and see if it works, you know, test it out. I can always, you know, figure something else out. My husband and I have always been in business together. So it was like, maybe he does more of the financial stuff. He's more of like social kind of person anyway, and I'll just support him. Maybe I can run the numbers for him or something like that. And so at first it was just like, sure, let's try it out. But over time, as I, and like, I learned the full business from our mentor, I started doing everything and I was like, I could do this, right? Like, this is something that fits with my uh, giftings and my abilities. And I find a lot of joy from it. And so we, it was about six, nine months after we first started in the industry that we were, I remember we were walking down the street in Chicago and coming back from the gym. And I said to Brandon, let's give this 10 years. I think we could do this for 10 years. Let's make a 10 year commitment. And at the end of 10 years, like we can move on if not. And now we're like five and a half years into that journey. And I'm like, I can do this for a hundred years or as long as my mind is <laughs> able to like make that happen. It just, there's so much like, yes, I see the change in other people's lives, but it's also like personally developing and fulfilling for me too. I've learned so much and I know I'll keep learning. There'll be new things to learn over the next 30, 40 years. So cool. So cool. And you just said something that, again, I loved the fact that you found that this fits with your giftings and abilities. I'm thinking what you just shared with the fact that you were helping your mom pay her her credit card bills when you were in middle school. So maybe you've already had it in your mind for several years that money was a gifting or a natural ability for you. But I'm just curious again, how did 
how did you know that? Was it just something in your gut? Was it something that really spoke to you and you recognize that very easily? Just talk to us a little bit how you about how you recognize that. Yeah, I get so it really it was that like walking down the street in Chicago moment when I realized like all of these things from middle school with my mom to I was one of those college students that actually had a little book and I wrote down every single transaction. And, you know, like when I got my first uh, 403B because I was working at a nonprofit after college, I was the nerd that really like dug in. What does this really mean? Do I really want this? All those things. And so it was kind of looking at what I kind of naturally did, what came easy to me. And then also what uh, I noticed when I would have the interactions, this is part of one of the things I think is most important is you have to actually try stuff and then see how you feel afterward. And I would find after I got off of an hour conversation with a potential client and we were getting to know each other and I was getting you know, to know how I could help them, I was on a high. Like it felt like that hour had gone by like super quick. And now I, I had this euphoria, the dopamine, you know, all those fun yeah. things. And I was like, Oh, this is it. That if I could do this more, I'm going to have that experience more. Yeah. So cool. Let's see. I think about real estate. What, when you say that, I'm like, if I'm looking at property, OMG, I walk away and I'm on a high. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that was so fun. Where's another one we can go look at. So that's so cool. All right. I want to ask you about financial planning and the timing of that. You know, I I love the quote, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And a lot of times I think people have that quote potentially resonate with them when they're thinking through their goals in life or if they're planning an event or a birthday party or something like that. But so often we don't really associate that with money. So I'm curious from your perspective, when should people start doing proactive financial planning? Yeah. And quote that comes to mind for me is the whole idea of when is the best time to plant a tree? And, you know, 20 years ago, when is when is the second best time to plant a tree? Yesterday, right? The third best time right now. We can't go back in time, but we can start right now. And I've, I've got clients that I work with that are 18 years old, right? They're starting out on their journey. And I've got clients in their 70s approaching their 80s and everywhere in between. And it's I, I really enjoy the diversity of there's totally different problems to solve at different stages of life. What I will say is the most common time when people actually say, okay, I need to get my stuff together is when they're, they've got us a young family or their career starting to take off or both because sometimes those happen at the same time. And they're starting to see like, I need to make sure I'm doing right by my family that I've these dependents, you know, what if something happens to me or they're like, I'm getting more money. I have more than just what I need to pay my regular bills. I want to be a good steward of this money. I want to make smart decisions. Those are That's the most common time. But sometimes it, that can start really early, right? And then you like, start preparing for it. I was talking to somebody who's in medical school uh, yesterday, and she is doing her residency. She's like, my income is going to increase when I'm done with this residency. I got to start preparing for it now. Love when that happens. Yeah. 
And then I also have the people that they're like, I've never paid attention to my money and I'm five years from retirement, you know, like typical retirement. And is this too late to do something? I'm like, nope, this is actually, we need to do something <laughs> right, right now. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I love how you've said that. When's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago? And I think we can all look back at wherever we are in our lives and think, oh my gosh, if only I would have done X 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I think about that again when it comes to real estate and short-term rentals. You know, what would life be like today had I started investing you know, when I was a heck of a lot younger. And I'm actually recording this on my birthday. So I am saying, boy, oh boy, if I would have looked back 20 years ago when I was legitimately 29 years old, my my life would be very different. But I feel so blessed about where I am today. It doesn't really matter. I don't look back and have regrets. But if you're listening to this and you are wondering is this the right time for me to be planning my future financially, you know, planning my real estate investing strategy? The answer is yes, this is the right time, regardless consider, of where you are. Yeah, consider this your sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're looking for a sign, this is it. This is the sign. All right. The next question I have for you is around mindset and specifically mindset around money. From your perspective, what does a money mindset really mean and does it really matter? Yeah, I think what a lot of people come to first is uh, when they hear money mindset is this idea of abundance. And if you think correctly, you'll attract money to you. And there, you can get very woo-woo into that. And maybe that's right for some people, right? Thinking positive thoughts, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> like, do it. Um, and I have seen when people finally have a plan for if I get this money, here's what I will do with it, that money sometimes shows up. And there's something mystical there. I have no clue what's happening, but it's like you're prepared for it. And so now that the universe, God, whatever you want to call him, uh, comes and gives it to you. If that that happens, awesome. And sometimes it doesn't happen right away and people get really frustrated. They give up on positive thinking. Maybe even they get into negative thinking. Well, maybe it's not, you know, I, maybe the universe hates me or maybe I'm not good enough. I don't deserve. And I, I really want to come against those kind of thoughts because we all deserve good things. We are all loved. We all deserve to be respected and treated well. And for some people, that might mean they're multimillionaires. For some people, that might mean they make 10,000 bucks a year, right? Like it's going to look very different, but what does it mean to really believe in yourself and that you deserve and that you are worthy and, you know, like those things to have that mm -hmm. confidence, then you approach the world totally differently mm -hmm. from that confidence. And what I love to do, so many people hand off their financial decisions you know, what stocks, bonds, mutual funds are going to buy or how how much they're going to put into their 401k or, you know, whatever it is, what house they're going to buy maybe even to someone else. Yeah. And that is very disempowering. That's actually saying you're not worthy to make those decisions yourself. And so I think the best mindset to be in is one of control, 
one of power and finding ways to take more of that for yourself. And then also if the universe brings something, you're open to it. Love that. And, you know, I would venture to say that someone might be listening to this today and think, okay, great. Yeah, I would love to be in a mindset of control and power, but I don't feel like I'm in control and I don't feel like I have power. What would you say to them? How do they potentially reframe their thoughts? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of micro adjustments and that they can go a really long way. So over on my podcast today, I I have an episode about the principle, the first, and what you do first really matters. And what I often invite people to is pick a micro adjustment. Let's use, let's say you want to build your real estate investing fund. You you don't even have the money to do real estate right now. You want to build what you have available for down payments, those kind of things. Start with 1%. Have it transferred the first of the month or the every day you get your paycheck into a place where it can be held safely. You're not going to miss 1%, right? If you got a hundred bucks, that's a dollar, <laughs> right? You're not, right? You can live on nine. If you're living on a hundred, you can live on 99. You're not even going to miss it. But that small step is going to show you, hey, I can do this. I do have control. This this was easy. Now, I, And then the next month or the next quarter, you change it to 2% and then 3%. And before you know it, you got a big pile of money there ready for your down payment. Love that. And then apply that to wherever you're at, right? Like maybe you want to build a contingency funds for if you have a big repair at your short-term rental. Do, you could do the same thing or you know whatever that might be. Such great advice. Such great advice. All right. I want to talk with you about stressors when it comes to money. As you well know, finances can be a really difficult thing for folks, uh, which is great job security for you, I'm sure. <laughs> but candidly, in in personal lives and relationships, I mean, you, we've all heard about you know, the stories about relationships breaking up because of financial challenges. Layer in having investments and investing in real estate or running a short-term rental business. All of those stressors can kind of layer and pile up on one another. I'm just curious from your experience working with your clients, what do you find to be the biggest source of stressors around money? Yeah, I've actually got um, four, maybe five of them. I made it into an acronym because naming something gives you a lot of power to to overcome it, right? Mm -hmm. So the acronym is CHAOS. The C is confusion. The financial industry is set up in a way, this is going to kind of sound a little conspiracy theory, but if you dig into it, you know, like it's set up in a way to make people money, right? Like to help you deal with all the complexity of it. Our tax code has more words in it than the Bible. (laughs) There's complexity there and it's very confusing. And so that just helped like a lot of people just stop there. How could I ever understand this? It's way too confusing. I'm done. Next one is haphazard. A lot of people, rather than having a comprehensive financial plan, which takes a lot of time, some investment to make happen, because it's so confusing, they'll just hodgepodge this piece here and there. Oh, they started a job. They were told they should have a 401k. They've got that. Oh, I had kids. I want to plan for college. That I do that in a 529. 
oh, I, I've, I want to do real estate. I'm going to get this six month CD and wait for the, a deal in six months, you know, and they kind of, sorry, they have this hodgepodge of things together that are all haphazardly strewn about. And I kind of, my analogy I like to use, it's a bucket of rocks. You have all these rocks, they're in a bucket and you've got to carry around this bucket. It becomes a heavy burden mm-hmm. rather than you take those rocks, you put them in into uh, build a wall, build a foundation, right? Like you can, you know, throw out the rocks that are worthless and use the ones that are solid, right? That's, that's financial planning, right? So right. a lot of people have that haphazard bucket of rocks. So that's confusion, haphazard, anxiety, just even thinking about numbers. A lot of people feel super anxious. Maybe they had a bad score on a math test in elementary school, or were told by their math teacher, you suck at math or, you know, whatever that would be. Or maybe they had a relationship end because of fighting about money or the anxiousness of my friends seem to make way more than me. I can't do the things that they're doing. So I like that social anxiety comes up too. lots of things that makes us make us anxious whenever even people mention money. And maybe there's even people that skipped this episode because they saw who was here. Or maybe as you hear us feeling, you know, talking, you're feeling your heart start to race and uh, those kind of things. Anxiety is real. One of my favorite books is called Good Anxiety. I think the author's name is Wendy Suzuki. It's so good about like actually pressing into that anxiety can tr- can make us actually like have a s- space for really good f- personal growth. So if that's you right now, you're feeling anxious, Wendy's got a TED Talk. Amazing. You don't have to read the book. You can just watch your TED Talk or and read the book maybe if yeah, you like it. <laughs> okay. So we got confusion, haphazard, anxious, overwhelming, right? All these things, you know, it's like all the choices are like 750 different financial products. What do you choose? You know, even if you're going to do real estate, there's a ton of different ways to do real estate. You can even in uh, vacation rentals, there's short-term rentals, there's medium-term rentals, like had, there's all kinds of markets, right? Like (laughs) all the things, super overwhelming. And then all of those kind of wrap up to cause stress. That's the, the S and chaos. We just, okay. And then you've got all like the stresses of life too, right? Mm -hmm. You got to run here and there, kids doing things, the toilet breaking at the rental, you got to go fix like all the things. Um, that are stressful in life, and then to pile money on top of that, just it's like, yeah, I, I'm going to deal with the stress that feels more urgent and more important. Um, yeah. When actually, if you got some money stress out of the way, it could help you maybe have less stress in those other areas too. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point because when when folks are stressed about money, and I think everyone goes through that at some point in time in their lives, it bleeds over into every aspect of your day. So I I think that's a really, really important point is when you get that money stressor out of the way, it can be freeing for you to live your best life across everything that you're doing. Now, You know, I have to ask this because I think a lot of folks too may have gotten into real estate investing and potentially, you know, grown their real estate portfolio when the economy was very different, when interest rates were very different, when travel trends were very different. And sometimes I think 
folks today are looking at their bank accounts or looking at their booking calendar and seeing how open it is and feeling stressed out. Mm. What are some of your favorite strategies for how to deal with that stress or getting rid of that money stress? Yeah, and this is a question we could do hours and hours of conversation about because there are so many strategies and each person has to see what fits best with them. So one of them that I find works really well for me, and when I share this with folks, they especially if they're kind of entrepreneurial, out-of-the-box kind of thinkers, like the people that get into short-term rentals, you know, this, this might be you too, is starting from a place of dreaming, visioning, what what do I want? Where am I going? I call this setting your sights, where you get to you know maybe close your eyes or maybe paint it or draw it or journal about it and really like get an idea of what do I want? What do I desire? And give yourself permission to want and to desire and get really clear on it, right? Like if you're going to also vacation at this place, what place would you like? Those kind of things. And from there, it's a lot easier and from that like happy place to then turn and look at the money and see where it's at. And then what a lot of people do is they stop there. They just look at the money, they track it, they uh, see, oh, it's not where I want it to be and they just walk away. I like to invite people to then say, ask a very simple question. What's a small thing I could do to take what's currently happening and move it closer to what I really want. Mm. So you've got what you want, what's currently here, what's something small, really easy, almost feels like it's not going to make a difference, but is doable mm -hmm. and make, make that step and then come back and rinse and repeat, do it over and over again. I think I, we call this our antidote to chaos and it's also an acronym. S is set your sights. T, track your in and out. Actually look at what's come in, what's gone out of my life, what's my flow. Inspect your progress. It's where you're kind of sitting there looking at the dreams and the tracking and saying, okay, what, how am I really doing? Mm -hmm. And then look for the micro adjustment. What's, what's that small thing you could do? And then live deliberately. Do the thing. And then you come back. So that spells out still, S-T-I-L-L. -L. Set your sights, track your in and out, inspect your progress, look for the micro adjustment and live deliberately. So good. I'm writing this stuff down. And by the way, that is just genius. I just want you to know that the chaos and the still is genius. Thank so you. I know just from our conversation right now, it gives me goosebumps because... I feel very lucky and blessed to just be having this conversation with you because it goes way deeper than, oh, you should move X number of dollars from this account over to that. You know, it is so much deeper. And when we live intentionally and can and can proactively be doing stuff each and every day towards the life that we want, it is so incredibly rewarding and fulfilling. And it doesn't mean that we're there today. It doesn't mean that we have to be there tomorrow, but as long as we're putting one foot in front of the other, stepping towards that, it's really, really cool. So, Amanda, I 
Kudos to you, girlfriend. <laughs> I'm I'm so impressed. Thank so you. Impressed. I do have to give credit where credit's due. I started when I first met Mark. I felt like all I could do was just put one foot in front of the other. I was kind of depressed. We were just running our business, hoping things would change and gaining control of my money. You know, I conversations with Mark were great, but I actually did do the stuff myself mm-hmm. and figure out how to do it in relationship with my husband and make it work for our business. You know, Mark talked to us once every six months, but we had to live the day to day. And going from all I can do is just put one foot in front of the other to I get to choose what step I want to take next was a whole journey. I feel like God was with me the whole way, kind of opening these doors, giving me insights, things, micro adjustments I could make that I would have never thought of. And I think he's really what's inspired this. We, you know, we did that journey about a decade ago is when it's kind of started. And now I get the chance to share that gift with the world. Pretty soon it's going to be in a book journal hybrid uh, product that people will get to like physically touch and go through the still method on their own in their, you know, 2 a.m. if they wanted. (laughs) And I'm just super excited about it. But I do have to like say, I couldn't have ever done this on my own. My husband, God, like the whole journey was amazing. And like it really came from that. Yeah. So cool. And I love that you shared that because I think for anyone who has found even the slightest bit of success, what is really important is to recognize all the the things that have been the ingredients to that success. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oftentimes it's our loved ones or our family. It is for me as well, you know, uh, God, and he plays such an important part in my life. But I love that you're sharing that openly with with us. So, so cool. I'm curious also to get your perspective, because again, I love real estate. I am passionate about real estate. It's super fun for me. And from the viewpoint of a certified financial planner, if someone is wondering, is real estate a sound way for me to really grow my wealth? How would you answer that question? Yeah. Full disclosure, I'm also a real estate investor. So I I love it. I think it's amazing. So if uh, this will be from that perspective. And actually in the CFP curriculum that we have to study and in order to you know pass the exam, there's a bunch of real estate stuff in there and we have to learn about it. And it's presented as a great way to diversify, right? So you don't have everything in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, right? Uh, it's a, a business that has a lot of tax advantages and, you know, a great, you know, the government gives those tax advantages so they don't have to provide housing for folks, you know, those, that whole uh, ball of wax and awesome mm-hmm. stuff. And then, so diversification, taxes, uh, saving on taxes. And then also it's a great way to build generational wealth. That's part of the tax code, the whole step up and basis when you pass mm-hmm. away that your whoever inherits your home, they their uh, tax nature changes. They actually get a big tax benefit and then they can also continue receiving the income from that property as well, which I think that's like when I'm talking about wealth wisdom and uh, how we've had the generations past and what they've done with their money to grow their wealth and what we can learn from them, real estate's been there. 
It's been there longer than the stock market. And so why should we discount it? Let's use it wisely. Let's be smart about it. But like if you're like, I'm a big fan of invest what you find interest in mm-hmm. and you're going to do way better uh, that way. So if you find it interesting, why not? Love that because I will tell you, I personally do not find interest in mutual funds, although you might tell me, Stacey, you need to be interested in them, but that's such great advice as well. I freaking love real estate. I freaking love short-term rentals. And so for me, investing in that is like being at the playground. It's so fun. So again, just great advice invest in what you're interested in. And I would like, I have a client who's in the airline industry. He knows the airline industry in and out. And so he loves investing in stocks that are with airlines or related to that industry. And he's going to do much better than the average investor because he knows that. So keep learning right about real estate if that's what you're going to do. So you make better and better choices. But also like one of the things that I'm a big believer in is most people make financial decisions just based on rate of return. And I think that's like one of the worst criteria. Yeah, that should be a criteria. But one of the top ones for me is how are you going to personally develop? How are you going to become a better person in this financial decision? What are you going to learn? How are you going to have more joy? Let's make that a better priority, like a higher criteria for what you choose to invest in than just little rate of return. I feel like you have had more mic drop moments in this 30 minutes than I have heard in a very long time. So I love that. Love Thank it. Thank you. Love it. Okay. So I want to move to what I call the lightning round. And I'm going to ask you to answer these questions with the very first thing that comes to mind. First one is where is your favorite place to vacation? The mountains. Ooh, do you have a favorite set of mountains? It's a toss-up between the Appalachians and the Rockies. Yeah. All right. All right. What's one place you've never been that you want to visit? Japan. Ooh, what makes you say Japan? I did a, a, like a unit in elementary school on Japan. I've just been fascinated by the culture, and I love ramen. Like, and there's a whole ramen subculture there. Like, that's what I'll do the whole time. It's just go from ramen place to ramen place. (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right. What's one thing you know now that you wished you knew when you started your business? So many things. The first one would be to pay myself first. I'm a huge fan of this concept called Profit First, developed by Mike Michalowicz. I use it. I teach my clients about it. I wish I would have known it before we ever started our business and we didn't find it till three or four years in. Love that. Love it. Love it. And I, you know, I, I know a lot of real estate investors who have subscribed to that methodology. So again, there's a whole book you can read about it. And I just want to share a quick shameless plug. I'm sure Amanda, that if someone wanted to implement profit first, you could potentially be helping them, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And if you there's so there's profit first, like the original uh, book, and then there's also a a spinoff that's authorized by the original author called um, profit first for real estate that I would also recommend if you want something tailored to real estate. Love it. Love it. 
Okay. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Never do anything alone. Oh, and who gave you that advice? And it was a church leader. So cool. So cool. All right. One last question. What is the one thing and or person that you're grateful for today? I mean, the first person that comes to mind is you. I'm super grateful that we met and have been building a relationship. And I love your community and what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. You know, it's truly a joy for me. You know, you said early on when you do things that you love and you have the opportunity to help other people, there is this very warming, rewarding aspect to where it's almost self-fulfilling, you know, I get joy. I get the endorphins out of being able to help support someone else. And so it really brings joy to me. We can tell. Oh, thank you so much. All right. So I also want to give a quick plug that Amanda is going to be speaking alongside me at an upcoming Journey to Financial Freedom Mastermind Workshop on September the 28th. So if you are listening to this before September 28th, 2023, be sure to go to com for more information on how to grab your tickets for that. But Amanda, if someone is listening to this and going, whoa, I need more Amanda Neely in my life. What is the best way for them to find you online or get in touch with you? Yeah, our website is wealthwisdomfp, as in financialpodcast.com. We have a podcast wherever you listen to this one. You can find it there or on our YouTube channel. And then you can just learn more about what we do and uh, things on that website too. It's wealthwisdomfp.com. So great. Amanda, thank you so much for such an awesome discussion and just appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate you too, Stacey. Now, before you go, I want to give a quick shout out to some amazing women inside the Female Short-Term Rental Investors Facebook group. Tasha Miller-Collins posted a few weeks back, and she says, do guests really care that much about decor? I just don't. Has anyone found success with their places not being heavily decorated? Like has a guest complained and said, I wish there were more decorations. Any simple decor suggestions you can give me so I can appease potential guests that don't really care about decor. And her post went on to ask a few other questions. Now, this was a post that brought in a ton of comments, 320 as of the date of this recording. And... I think that it is so great to get so many different people's perspectives. One that really resonated with me was a comment by Carol Mendez. And she said, as an interior designer working with STR hosts, the feedback I received from my clients is that having nice decor creates a better experience for the guest in general, leading to better reviews. Also, Some people travel for design to try on different scenarios, and interior design is definitely a great tool to create an intentional atmosphere. So great. So to tune into the other 319 comments, go to the Female Short-Term Rental Investors Facebook group, and there is a search function. 
you can search Tasha Miller Collins. Tasha's name is spelled T-A-S-H-A Miller Collins. And I'm sure you're going to be able to find that post. All right, that is it for today's episode. I hope you found it educational and enlightening. And more than anything, I hope you have an amazing week. I'll see you very soon. Hey, sister. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I wanted to let you know about a free resource my team is providing, the STR Success Blueprint Strategy Session. If you're looking to take your STR business to the next level, or heck, even just get it started, this free one-on-one is something you won't want to miss. You'll discover new tools for your STR business and outline an action plan that will help you achieve your goals and reverse engineer your STR success. This session is your chance to get the help you need to succeed. Schedule your free STR Success Blueprint strategy session right now by visiting stacystjohn.com backslash success.